I'm Mike Gapes, the Member of Parliament for... The mill that is taken from cows in the south and taken from cows in the north, put together in the same factory. Thanks, Mike. So, since we recorded the show, three Tory MPs have defected to the independent group. Four if you count the right-wing Labour MP, Joan Ryan. And there are rumours that Tony Blair will soon be joining them. Chris Leslie has been doing the rounds to spread the word about the new grouping. One journalist who interviewed Leslie told me that he was honestly saying hard left every other sentence. And the newly independent MP Anna Soubry, that famous Tory rebel who must be congratulated for actually doing something rebellious for once in her life, has also been doing the rounds, telling journalists that she is still a supporter of austerity and considers George Osborne's economic strategy to have been, quote, absolutely necessary. Now, this will come as a blow to those who consider themselves on the centre-left and are thinking of getting involved in the new party, grouping, private company, whatever the fuck it is. But if you're to believe Blairite comedian Matt Ford, the left versus right divide is over. The new divide is sensible v batshit. And anyway, it's doubtful that too many of the MPs currently affiliated with the independent group will be particularly perturbed by Subri's openly right-wing views when, well, they share them. Leslie told Red George Eaton at the New Statesman that he is against the abolition of tuition fees because where's the money coming from? He's against nationalisation, he's against a 50p top rate of income tax, which I believe is what it was under Gordon Brown, and he's against basically anything that might possibly be feasibly considered left-wing. His politics have not shifted an inch since he was Shadow Chancellor for five minutes in 2015. So those are some of the developments of the last few days, or in the case of Chris Leslie's politics, the lack of developments. So let's move on now to our conversation with our friend and regular guest, Jude Wanger at Jude in London 2. Opposing the government. You have fields. And opposing the Conservatives. Cows that move backwards and forwards. I'm afraid it's the hard left. And you have the milk who want to tighten their control. That is taken from cows in the south. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. And taken from cows in the north. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. Put together in the same factory. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? We know who the hard Hit. left are. And then it is mixed together with whiskey or in the you know ascendancy I, I, within the within the labor party language. who associate with the hull of and it comes out as milk you just said that we were right to right wing cows in the fields milk in the shops the hard left agenda the state controls the price of milk printing money that is what socialism does nationalization without compensation Hard left wing position. Hard left. Left. The hard 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 left. Hard left. The hard left. The hard left. The hard left. 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 Hard fighting battles on Twitter and elsewhere and uh, you see the reaction I've had. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you very, very clearly. Oh, fantastic. It turns out that getting a new laptop means that you can actually hear stuff. Properly. Yeah, although Tom's got a new laptop as well and I can barely hear a fucking thing he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> What laptop did you get, Tom? It's a uh, Lenovo gaming laptop, so I can do video editing on it. Oh, nice. For some reason, they don't have like. Well, I really can't hear Tom at all. He's so quiet, isn't he? He is. He's very quiet. Very quiet person as it is. Hey, 
It's Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Screeping into your chair. <laughs> oh my god. Well, we what day? What a day. I know, I've just been addicted to, to the banter today. I have not been able to pull myself away from Twitter. A wild ride. The banter has just been so strong. I think we had maybe 12 hours of uninterrupted banter. Apologies, but the main thing is... Is Tom actually speaking? Yeah, Tom is speaking. I think what he was saying there was that he's got to be up at five tomorrow so he can't stay too long. Yeah, no, that's fine. I don't have that long in me anyway. It just sounds like he's talking through like a small plastic tube. Yeah, surely you can get better sound than that, Tom. Just shove your mouth right next to the mic. Oh, God, where where is the mic? Why is it so quiet? Am I still really quiet now? We could just be a riff of the fact that we've trapped Tom in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do that. Okay, alright, let's just do this then, because the clock is ticking and so on. There's been so much banter to get through in the last few days. Want me to present this when you can't hear what I'm saying? Well, actually, Tom, that might be a good idea if in order to make your presence felt, you do a little intro now that we'll try not to talk over. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Real Politics Podcast. This is a specially organised recording with a good friend of the show, June. Uh, to talk about a day of banter in the Labour Party when seven MPs left. Sorry you can't have it here, me, but it's alright because Jack and Jude are going to be ripping the seven MPs apart and I'll come in every now and then, but you won't be able to hear me. Yeah, I can hear you alright at the moment. I mean, the quality's bad, but I can... I, my, can... My I think we need to just tell the listeners the truth, which is that Jack has trapped Tom in a bottle. <laughs> That's how things are rolling right now. You know how you get those little model ships in a bottle? Yeah, you've shrunk Tom in one of them. I've built... I've built... travels. I've rebuilt a miniature Tom from scratch inside a bottle, poking a little stick in there, painstakingly assembling (laughs) all the pieces of Tom. Carry on without me while I try and get the sound levels better without having to put my... Face right up to the screen. Oh, like, we can hear you now. Oh yeah, I can hear you okay. But are you pressing your face right? Right up to my screen. You kissing your screen. We should do a video call, Tom. So it can be like you're just making out with us. Either one, whichever one you so wish. This has taken a completely left turn so quickly. <laughs> Right, so what we're actually talking about today, while Tom sorts all his shit out, is that basically... Can you see me? Can I see you? We can see you. Get this is the closest oh, I've ever... Holy any- shit! Ever. <laughs> I'll cut off the video. <laughs> anyway, we can hear you okay. It should be fine. Like, you, you... Right. So, yeah, today has been wild, so I woke up pretty late sometime in the afternoon, I looked at my phone and I saw we had about 500 notifications, largely to do with milk or the phrase hard left. I'm sure diligent listeners will be able to put two and two together and uh, deduce from that that finally, after years of empty promises... Mike Gapes and Chris Leslie have left the Labour Party. And you do not have the milk? Well, I for one am delighted. Yeah, I mean, there's this whole thing you're seeing on Melt Twitter at the moment, which is like, oh, so you think it's a bad thing that they're going to split off to form a new party, but you're also delighting in them leaving. It's like, yeah, it is good that these specific people are no longer in the Labour Party wrecking it from within. As a point of principle, it is bad to leave the Labour Party to form a right-wing splitter party to split the left-of-centre vote. These are two totally reconcilable positions, I think. I don't even see them splitting the left vote because none of them are particularly left-wing. Yeah, left-of-centre. <laughs> but I don't even see them splitting a left-of-centre soft left vote. If you look at the seven who have convened, none of the policies that they support are particularly even soft left. They are so dead-centre slash centre-right 
Mm. It's even funny. I see them taking more votes off soft Tory seats than I do. <laughs> off- <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't someone who's pro the privatization of fucking water and expect <laughs> to take any seats off of any Labour candidate whatsoever. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I saw a thing in that, to be honest, I hate the guy who wrote it, obviously former Breitbart columnist and Guido Fawkes columnist Alex, the meadows of Islington will run red with the blood of the martyrs Wickham. Um, But I did kind of enjoy his piece he wrote with the other BuzzFeed columnist where they uh, detailed all the splits and so on in this this new party. But my favourite bit, I'd have to say, was that they're taking as their model Angela Merkel's CDU in Germany, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, are a right-wing party. I find nothing more embarrassing and more revealing of how inward and ignorant British journalists are about politics in international politics than when um, political journalists here try to make comparisons to other European parties or other international parties mm-hmm. and get so badly wrong every time without fail they get so badly wrong whether it's talking about the CDU whether it's talking about Unmarch and it's like you're just making this up as you go along and you can get away with that here when nobody seems to give a shit about what's happening in politics properly <laughs> but people in Europe actually know what they're talking about half of the time <laughs> <laughs> On Marsh, of course were cited as the other inspiration for the new party which uh, yeah makes sense two right wing well, parties it would be an apt comparison given that On Marsh was literally set up almost exclusively of centre-right politicians. <laughs> yeah, well, and look at the centre-right policy programme that On Marsh are pushing. You know, it's like pretty much anyone who says they're neither left nor right-wing is going to be pretty right-wing. Like, I mean, look at our close friend of the show, Clint Eastwood. He's quite often said, I'm too individualistic to be either left or right-wing. Now, which people on the political spectrum are really individualistic? Hmm. So, yeah, I think that this centrist party is going to be largely predicated on just opposing whatever the fuck the left are doing at any given time. And that has been the strategy of the anti-Corbynites when they're in the Labour Party as well, which didn't really win them any friends in the Labour Party. I mean, coming out and defending the Iraq war just because Corbyn is against the Iraq war it doesn't really win people in your favour. It's a massively unpopular position. It's an odd grave to dig up for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, well, these fucking people have dug enough graves, haven't they, in their time? Think of all the barbarous policies they voted for. This is clearly not a very competent group of people. I mean, they have been agitating for this split, which has turned out to be little more than a fracture. Yeah. (laughs) fracture in the party <laughs> with less pain actually you three coming up to four years to formulate this party this breakaway this split you have had controversy after controversy to time it and you still managed to get it so badly badly wrong it's incredible it is actually incredible to go from what is it, 160 resignations or letters of no confidence in 2016 Mm. to a group of seven (laughs) on day one, even if they've persuaded another 20 to stagger their resignations, to launch with seven is pathetic. You've got John Prescott, who referred to them as the insignificant seven. That's brilliant. Then my calling them the Blair Rich Project. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that comes into it as well. Who is funding them? Who knows? Gapes claims that they're funding themselves, which I don't know, maybe just all the money from his milk round is uh, funding their operation. And the milk industry. Their HQ is registered to the third floor, allegedly. Nobody actually knows whether this third floor actually <laughs> But it's in the same building as the fucking Weatherspoons. <laughs> it's the third floor. Right. It's more of a concept than an actual the, floor. The irony <laughs> of a bunch of Remainers it's saying sky thinking party <laughs> and having their headquarters share a building 
with a pub owned by an ardent Brexiteer. <laughs> Thick of it could not have written today up. It's like that thing friend of the show Dan Howden tweeted about how he just couldn't get over just how delicious it was. I don't think those were words he used, but the <laughs> Roland Rudd, Amber Rudd's brother and head of the People's Vote campaign, literally tried to sell people a bridge that nobody wanted at some point in his career. <laughs> a genuine bridge salesman. <laughs> I mean, to look at it, critically for a moment it's such a clusterfuck isn't even the word omni shambles doesn't do it justice you have these people who claim to be leaving for all these principled reasons right of which the strongest has to be the one put forward by luciana berger who has received a disgusting amount of anti-semitic yeah. abuse over the years i'm not her biggest fan i have to say i don't particularly think she is a very competent mp i think she has her strengths and she has played to those strengths in her time as an MP. But overall, I really don't see what she brings to the party. That's just my personal opinion. And but having said that... Yeah, I think your line on this is good, by the way. The amount of abuse that she has received, and not all of it has been from the far right, and not all of it has been from people who aren't members of the Labour Party. There has been some very, 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 very dodgy tweets that get sent her way, or very, very disgusting tweets that get sent her way that are either outright anti-semitic incredibly dog whistly to the point of deafness or just horribly ignorant to the point of being anti-semitic and if you're going to resign with somebody who has such a strong reason amongst the seven of you then the rest of you abandon your reasons because it will never be as principled as hers it will never stand close to the legitimacy of quitting for anti-semitism so why put it forward on day one you stand up there, you say, this woman has received horrific abuse. We don't feel the party has supported her or taken this seriously, etc., etc. She has chosen to resign and we're going to support her in that resignation. This is a solidarity movement, blah, blah, blah. The rest of it will come after and then they could go for it. But because Chris Leslie has an ego bigger than... I won't finish that sentence because Chico Muna's head is literally just full of dreams of leadership that are unfulfilled. Uh, because Angela Smith just sees an opportunity to shill more water companies <laughs> next year ad sales or something. Briefly on Chuka, I liked that, you know, there was that story about him or somebody in his office editing his Wikipedia page to say he was the British Obama a few years ago. And oh. that and that account that did the edits in question was called, like, Social Democrat or something. And incidentally, Mike Gapes' Wikipedia page was today edited by an account called Absolutely Pure Milk. Milk! which also made some edits to Jeremy Corbyn's page. That's quite funny. Still, at least it's not Oliver Cam. Uh, sorry, I mean <laughs> F Philip Cross, rather. <laughs> Chukwamuna is destined to be a footnote of failure in centrist folklore. It's quite astounding for someone who at one point was touted as the next Obama. I mean, there were stupid people who were saying that, not realising that Obama was not particularly well-liked in the global stage. But they were pushing for a UK Obama because what the UK political sector does is they see a popular politician from another country and say, oh, why can't we have that? So before <laughs> there was Macron, there was Obama. Yeah. And before there was Obama, there was Blair. And these people are literally just obsessed with the same people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Blair, you can't really describe him as a homegrown British politician because, of course, he is the creature from the Black Lagoon. That's fundamentally <laughs> where he comes from. Uh, wherever the lagoon in question may be, I'm not entirely sure, but I don't think it's these ends. Exactly. So back to the point, because all of these people are just major egotists, they couldn't do it. And so what they did was have a launch which had seven different speeches about seven different things of various seriousness which makes it very hard to pinpoint which is the overriding reason for people leaving because you can't you just cannot expect people to put i left because of twitter trots up there <laughs> I left because of anti-Semitic abuse. But Gates um, did. He pretty much stopped just short of citing us and our hilarious running jokes as his reason for leaving the Labour Party. Jeremy Corbyn and those around him are from Russia. He said, I have been engaged in battles on Twitter. I really thought he was about a minute away from saying, it's that horrible Owen Jones and Aaron Bastani. They're so <laughs> 
me every day. <laughs> it is that Mr. Frayne Reed who tweeted me asking for a birthday message, and he appeared to be on something a little stronger than milk. <laughs> But uh, how long did it take this new principled anti-racist party to slip into their first racism scandal? From my reckoning, I think it was about 20 minutes in. As soon as Angela Smith talking at the launch, there was already in her speech, she said something about how her family aren't there to be patronised by left-wing intellectuals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The left-wing intellectuals, eh? In class. Cultural is, Marxists. Uh, is, is to favour grace. And I was just like, <laughs> left-wing intellectuals? I was like, I haven't heard that term come out of the mouth of anyone that's not a neo-Nazi, but okay, Angela. <laughs> Most people are like my family. They do not want to be patronised by left-wing intellectuals who think that being poor and working class constitutes a state of grace. What they do want is a fair crack of the whip and opportunities to succeed. Of course, two and a half hours later, she would go one further and give us a two-for-one bonanza on racism. Which, <laughs> uh, when appearing on Politics Live with poor Ash Sarko in the oh, room. Oh, God, Ash's Ash facial expression when she said it. Um, and she said, <laughs> they were talking about racism, is racism coming back or something like that? And I'm sitting there thinking, when did racism leave? But, you know. Uh, you 1997, know, racism it's, it's, finished. It's not just racism. And I'm like, okay, let's see where she's going with this. She's like... It's not about colour. It's not about being black or, you know. <laughs> and then she looks directly at Ash and, she's like, and she does this weird, nervous laugh. And she, you know, a, a funny thing. Uh, you know, members of the BAME community. Um, <laughs> so, and I was thinking, hey? A white working class woman finds hard, life hard enough. A BME working class woman, and this is the gender aspect, mm -hmm. will find it even harder. But it's not just about colour. I mean, you know, the recent history of the party I've just left suggests that it's not just about being black or a funny, you know, different, from the BME community, but the, the Jewish community equally, the Jewish community equally suffers the same kind of cultural alienation. Because I think the point she was trying to make was that from the party that I've recently left, the problem isn't just racism, it's also in the Jewish community. But of course, she's just gone on this whole thing where she's done an accidental racism by saying it's not about skin colour. And then she's placed the entire Jewish community outside the black and minority ethnic umbrella term. And I'm sitting there thinking, if it's not about skin colour, why wouldn't the Jewish community come under the black and minority ethnic um, um, anyway, given that, number one, there are black and minority ethnic Jews, I mean, yeah. so it was both an ethnicity and a religion. So there are a lot of converts and there are a lot of actual ethnically Jewish people of colour, such as the Ethiopian Jews in Israel, for fuck's sakes. And it's, mm. I'm just saying, like, so you've actually done a racism whilst accidentally doing another racism. I've never seen a buy one racism, get one free done live before 9pm in oh. my life. <laughs> They're a real consumer-based kind of party. They've got a political offer that recognises the demands of the market, which is buy one racism, get a little bit more on the side. Just, just a quick little twofer. I was just sitting there going, either she doesn't understand the concept of Judaism whatsoever, in which case how on earth could she stand there and lecture anybody on anti-Semitism when she doesn't even understand how what she just said is anti-Semitic in and of itself, or she's mistaken this independent group party for UKIP, <laughs> and mean, at I... some point she's going to turn around and go, "This isn't UKIP." She said it's not about skin colour anymore, and that sounds like this kind of exceptionalist line you get from a lot of people on the right, which is sort of like the, the way that Jewish people are unfortunately treated by some in the Labour Party would never happen 
to any other ethnic group. And Luciana Berger herself uh, kind of made this argument in an article in The Times a week or so ago, which led, I think, to that very, very poorly timed and poorly worded motion of no confidence that was withdrawn in her party. But it's an argument you see quite a lot, you know, it's skin colour doesn't even factor into it, because New Labour did the McPherson report and they sorted it all out and it's fine now. Yeah, it's a very weird... I find a lot of the people who end up citing the McPherson report in terms of their way of saying that the Labour Party is institutionally racist. And I'm like, you don't need to use the McPherson report. Of course the Labour Party is institutionally racist. The Labour Party is part of British society, which is institutionally racist. Therefore, all of our political parties will be institutionally racist. That is neither here nor there. That is not anything anybody is actually debating. So Labour are institutionally racist when it comes to anti-Semitism, as they are with anti-blackness, as they are with Islamophobia, as they are with every other bigotry. Unless you've eradicated these out of society, there's no way you're going to eradicate them out of your political parties. It's a very strange argument that is made in terms of this exceptionalist idea of how anti-Semitism is the most condoned racism that's happening currently. And I think a lot of that is because of the perception, and I don't know how much of this is played by the media, the hyper-visibility of anti-Semitism in the news makes it appear as if it's something that's widely condoned in society. But actually, if you look at the sheer amount of volume that has been spent talking about anti-Semitism the last three years, whereas you have a baroness who sits in Saeed Avati's in the House of Lords, who has Mm. been trying to get a conversation on Islamophobia going and has had absolutely no interest from the press whatsoever. And the reason I say this is not to set up a hierarchy, which is what actually happens when you start saying things like, there is no other ethnic minority group gets as little support as the Jewish community. And I'm like, well, you don't know that. And you also don't know whether the Jewish community is receiving the most abuse in the party. The reason we don't know that is because we're not getting the reporting numbers because the other types of bigotries aren't getting the same amount of attention. Now, that's not saying that anti-Semitism is getting too much attention. What it's saying yeah. is that anti-Semitism is getting the attention right now and it's right for us to focus on it. But it's not right to extrapolate that to comparisons because the data just isn't there to make any conclusive argument. And what you actually end up doing is minimizing any abuse that is already going underground in an effort to make your case stronger. Your case doesn't need to be exaggerated or you don't need to minimize other bigotries happening at the moment to make your case feel important. Your case is important, whether it's one instance of anti-Semitism or 100,000, one is one too many. So you don't need to say that it's the most condoned because even if it was the least condoned it would still be wrong yeah exactly i mean there's absolutely nothing wrong with people calling out the fucking irrepressibly irresponsible behavior of chris williamson or somebody who isn't even in the labor party but still kind of gets on tv as a laborish person like ken livingston going on tv offending jewish people yet people should be incredibly critical of that but don't give john mann and sarah champion or whoever a free pass to go and dog whistle about other minority groups and then in john mann's case go and try and position themselves as this great anti-racist hero well i mean i got into it with somebody before who was trying to say that at no other time in history have anti-Semites been given such a cover by people in places of power. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking the history of this country is littered with powerful people in positions of power given cover to some very rank anti-Semitism going back to about the 11th century. So I'm, I'm not sure where you're starting history if you believe that now in 2019 is the first time that anti-Semites have allegedly had cover. I mean, the entire reason the UK only took child Jewish refugees during World War II was because this country was horribly anti-Semitic and didn't want Jewish refugees here. Yeah. That's why, that was literally why. We've only got a limited amount of time tonight, and there's a lot to say about anti-Semitism and how this plays into this discussion about the new party. But I think we should move on for now and discuss some other things about the revelations of the last few days. So the ball seemed to get rolling on Sunday with the resignation of former Labour MP Michael Duggar, who quit at the last general election to spend more time with his dribbly piss curries. And his CD box set of Shed 7. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Cast, Shed 7, all the great bands of the 90s. The guy who is now head of some music industry lobbying group and did an interview in some magazine where he had a little to-do list on the front that included Brexit. But yeah, Michael Duggar quit the Labour Party on Sunday in an exclusive article published online on Saturday night, actually, in The Sun on Sunday. So he knew he went straight for that Labour core Heartlands audience, you know. Duggar, much in fact like Sarah Champion with her racist column that she did, chose the ideal forum. In fact, just like Jess Phillips' article saying that she is staying in the Labour Party, dot dot dot, for now in the times today. These MPs, tactical geniuses, always so good at picking the right forum to appeal to the right people, and definitely not make the people who already despise them despise them anymore, and waverers decide, hmm, actually, I do despise that person after all. So Duggar was the first to leave, which obviously provoked a load of kind of hand-wringing responses from sort of centre-left people, I should say, who kind of know better. They're sort of, oh no, Michael Duggar, very principled man. Then today we've seen a couple of big celebrity endorsements of the new party. So I'm not sure what she said, but I believe Rachel Riley was one although she has also been linked to former Tony Blair advisors Jonathan Powell and Phil Collins's rival centrist party, which is currently engaged in a kind of vicious East Coast, West Coast style beef with the independent grouping or whatever the fuck they're called, the, you know, the Chuka one. So Rachel Riley came out and endorsed them, although her attentions appear to be divided between this party and the other new centrist party, not the Radicals UK, not the real Radicals UK, UK founded by Simon Hedges, not uh, <laughs> not whichever one fucking Jeremy Cliff founded, or that or that group, the SDB, that are basically just UKIP. <laughs> not any of these ones. No idea what I'm saying. My sentence trailed off. But yeah, the other celebrity endorsements were, of course, Eddie Marson, who said he's already donated some of his ample money he gets from being a buy-to-let landlord to the cause, and. Radiohead's Tom York, 15 or so years on from the Hail to the Thief record, has decided that actually the people who raised Iraq to the ground are good. I can't be asked to plug my mic in, but basically the joke here is that here's Tom York singing a song about the death of Dr. David Kelly, who he now presumably thinks had it coming. I don't think anything screams midlife crisis more than Tom York's surprise grift to the right over the last two years Mm. he's just from being someone who was like vaguely left wing to just becoming a centrist dad with a fucking guitar oh god i know so sad tom has just said that he's not having any luck with the audio so has left the conversation oxygen in the bottle yeah (laughs) tom (laughs) tom has died real much like angela smith's career oh there he is I don't know if he can see me, but I'm waving at him. I can't see you. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we I can, can hear you. What happens is when you put it near your mouth, it picks up the sound. There we go. Um, We've let him out of the bottle. So yeah, obviously right-wing extremist Rachel Countdown, what's her name again? Who cares? <laughs> I feel like it was bad enough that we'd made a celebrity out of Carol fucking Vorderman. And we could have learned our lesson there. Carol Voldemort, I called her when I was a kid. She was one fucking Tory mess. And like this one is just worse. And I, for one, have no interest in her political opinions, her football opinions, <laughs> Any opinions. I don't want to hear it. She has no interesting opinions whatsoever. She says nothing of any great insight. You could go your entire life missing out on her tweets and you would be none the stupider for it. Absolutely. So I really just implore people to genuinely forget she exists, which is what I do most of the time. I think the same probably goes for Tracy Ann Oberman. And again, I literally don't know who she is. I just see people getting angry at her on my timeline. Her greatest role was playing a man killer on EastEnders. I mean, it was a funny death, to be fair. 
But I'm sorry if you peaked as Chrissy from EastEnders. I'm not interested in your political opinions. I'm really not. But it, it makes perfect sense for Eddie Marson, fresh from saying how he fought Paul Wolfowitz, arch neocon, fucking butcher from the Bush administration. Uh, he's the one that I had no fucking idea about before Twitter. And then someone pointed out he's the one who plays the in Deadpool 2. Oh. I was like, oh, okay. Oh. I like Eddie Marson as an actor before Twitter. I think he's really good as the right-wing cunt in Happy Go Lucky. And he made a really good one in Deadpool 2 as well. <laughs> Tom, what are you saying there? Saying he gets hit by a taxi, doesn't he, in Deadpool? He gets a lot of things done to him in <laughs> All you dirty mutants are gonna rot in hell with a boy! Your souls are beyond redemption! Let's see your soul, Pearl. No, 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 no more! We're better than that, we're better than him! No more senseless violence. No more bloodshed. We'll let karma take care of the him. The day of reckoning is here! He's such a gullible dipshit, like with his, oh no, I thought Paul Wolfowitz was sincerely committed to spreading democracy abroad. It's <laughs> like, Eddie, have you heard of imperialism? It <laughs> makes total sense he'd done it. Easy mock someone like that he's just very eager and he cares but he's just not how can i say this but he's just basically not got the knowledge to have the conversations that he tries to have yeah he really wants to appear bigger than he is and he thinks he can wade into anything but he just reveals how little he knows when he does so common failing of celebrities to try and talk about subjects that are actually outside their knowledge or outside their capability. So occasionally you will get one or two celebrities who can be very insightful on political subjects or subjects of social justice and things like that. But they all seem to think that they can do it and they yeah. can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, asking a celebrity about politics is like asking Mike Gapes about the milk trade. Oh, wait. <laughs> why i like britney spears because britney spears is from texas so she's almost 99.9 percent .9 a republican and yet britney spears does not speak about political matters ever so you would never know whether she was or wasn't a republican exactly she, occasionally she'll say something nice like donate to this nice charity or help these people and it's like broadly liberal <laughs> But you know she's from Texas, so she probably has a shotgun and 16 sections in her house somewhere. Well, you and know, she votes for fucking Marco Rubio all the time. It's like Clint Eastwood. You'd never know he was a Republican because, you know, he's so individualistic. He's neither left wing nor right wing. And, you know, he's out there having a go at the chair, which he says is Obama. Who says he's coming from a right-wing position? I'd have a go at a chair if I thought it was Obama. He asks the chair, Why haven't you closed down Guantanamo? Exactly. You know, this is a kind of political ambiguity we need from our celebrities. We need them to be slightly distant from us so we can continue to enjoy their work. <laughs> no one would ever know Clint Eastwood was right-wing. The closest Britney Spears has ever got to a political tweet was, Does anyone think global warming is a good thing? I love Lady Gaga. I think she's a really interesting artist. <laughs> That's great. That's one of the greatest tweets of all time, honestly. So what I think one of the real pressing questions about this new centrist, keeps almost saying party, but it's a grouping, isn't it? Not a party. This it's new centrist party, grouping. Party, party that's not a party. <laughs> the party doesn't start till... Well, the party just doesn't start because then you'd have to abide by electoral spending rules. But this new centrist grouping i should say who else do we think is going to join them because there's been rumors of a trickle of further labor mps staggered resignations you know happening over the next few weeks joining this party apparently tom watson has been instrumental in persuading these cunts to stay and fight for their shit politics from within the party which is like thanks tom helpful as always i think you can definitely expect I mean, Neil Coyle has come out today and said that he's not going, but I really hope that's not true. And I I'm hope he does. Conquer him. I'm, I'm really hoping with Ash Wednesday being right around the corner and the start of Lent that the rest of them can go <laughs> before <laughs> I take my Twitter break for 40 days. Otherwise, I'm going to be very disappointed. I'm going to come back and I'll have no idea what the fuck is going on. Ash Wednesday is just a new ritual where one by one, the seven MPs from the new centrist grouping gradually disgrace themselves on live television opposite Ash today <laughs> today was just the start it was only on a monday by accident 
<laughs> no, but honestly, I think if you look at the... I mean, we've got the list. It's always the same 50, isn't it, really? Yeah, there's, exactly. The gang of 40 slash 50. Yeah, yeah, there's a 450, and out of that 50, if only seven of them were able to be there on day one, then I reckon about half of them are going to drop out because yeah. they'll bottle it. And of the other 25, seven have already gone. I reckon of the other 25, another seven will bottle it leaving them with a rudimentary mass that leaves about what 11 uh yeah seven people left to go and of that 11 honestly it could be any of those cunts i don't care they can take owen they can take the angelas they can take all of the owens they can take west street and they can take whoever i don't care if you want to stay stay want to go there's the door don't let it hit you on the way out well speaking of wes i think it's really sad actually that the beautiful community of ilford is now split cruelly along political lines the new berlin wall of our age you've got (laughs) (laughs) you've got ilford north the land of mcdonald's ilford south the land of milk no longer are wes and mike fighting the same battles now just kidding red streeting is a right-wing record prick and i hope he leaves the party too time that i was suspended from the labor party and one of the tweets that had been reported was the fact that i'd said he looked like a potato um, <laughs> so at my interview i did have to ask them i'm unsure why my personal opinion that he looks like a potato which labor law that contravenes um and he <laughs> had to admit that nothing that i had said was actually in contravention to the labor party rules i actually really think it's really funny that somebody reported my tweet where i said that cats were the white people of the animal kingdom oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> and then i just had to sit there and go you explain to me what's wrong with that tweet yeah i, know, I think cat slander maybe should be an expellable offense to be that's honest terrible like that's that's just <laughs> I'm never going to change my mind on that. But I think a lot of them have actually just realised that they're not going to get re-elected come any next election as independents. And they know it, which is why apparently this new party, the Tiggers, as I like to call them, or the Tiggies. The Tiggers? The the initials are Tig. Oh, right, yeah. Tiggers or Tiggies. quite funny because it sounds controversial but it's not <laughs> picturing uh, you know the beloved winnie the pooh supporting character oh uh, glad to meet you name figure t-i-double-g-er that spells figure well i mean tigger deserves better than to be to yeah. be with those losers. The wonderful thing about tiggers is tiggers are wonderful things. The tops are made of rubber, the bottoms are made of spring. The bouncy, trouncy, flouncy, pouncy. So I think it, we should go for the tiggies. It's just because they're hopping mad at the left all the time, or always well, just bouncing true, up but, and down. But I feel like if we go for tiggies, which sounds like piggies, and they do sound like the natural successors to Cameron, so... Have you seen uh, those little tiggies playing in the dirt? Like, yeah, personally, yeah. every time I see their tweets, I feel like I am in the dirt. Or anything they've said for that matter well, um, I mean, speeches was a bit like the nursery rhyme this little piggy went to the market was like this little tiggy quit because of brexit and this little tiggy quit because of online abuse and this little tiggy quit because of left-wing intellectuals and this little tiggy cried wee 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 all the way home because they bottled quitting the party but honestly i don't really see them getting more than maybe 15 i think is probably where they're gonna max out actually in the end because i think a lot of these wreckers as much as they love wrecking they like the money that they get from being mps and they that if they leave they will not be re-elected on the next election and i think the ones who have left now are banking on being more reckless and propping up a tory government to ensure that there is no general election until 2022 which gives them a nice two and a half years to build up a proper base do you think the lib dems really yeah that's the thing like tim farron was really upset he was tweeting you know there already is a party that's got the members the mps the infrastructure to challenge the extremism of both labor and the tories and it's like tim he's gonna become a fucking lib dem like ostensibly there is give that dream up already yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> and as you say, the rumours are that their plan is to resign their seats and run against Labour MPs in tight marginal seats. So I imagine you'd have, say, Gavin Shooker running against Emma Dent Code in Kensington, who's got but a it, majority of about 20, and is great. It doesn't make any sense. For example, Emma Dent Code was elected to Kensington because she was quite a formidable local councillor. She has very good local presence. She has been in the area for a long time. You can't turn up having represented somewhere completely fucking different and then... Didn't Gavin Shooker go from Croydon to fucking Luton? Where is he even like an MP for now? I have no idea. Fuck who, knows. Who fucking knows? I always thought he was in Croydon for some strange reason. I genuinely thought he was an MP in Croydon. He may not be anymore. He may have lost that seat and ended up in Luton somehow. I have no idea. Yeah, I think but, it's Luton. I think it's Luton. But it's this thing where you can't just turn up into people's communities. Gavin Sugar's been an MP for Luton since 2010. The more you know. Uh, <laughs> you can't just turn up into people's communities and the places that they've lived, some of them for all of their lives, and think that by virtue of having some money backing you, or being given a lot of space in the media that you're going to win. Yeah. That's a lot of hubris. And they're going to be in for a very rude awakening because it doesn't make sense. Why would you run in a Labour marginal when the second you arrive, all the Labour activists are going to do is go around going, this is a person who abandoned the party. Yeah. Why would you vote for them? Absolutely. And none of them have great voting records, which means... All, oh, terrible. All the local Labour Party will have to do is this person voted for this austerity measure and this austerity measure and this austerity measure. They don't have your best interests at heart. They've not come here to represent you. They've yeah. come to use you. Not all of them were in Parliament in 2003, but those that were, but, you well, better believe they voted for that war. And, <laughs> and, the, and every other that came up. And those that came in in 2015 and abstained on that welfare bill in 2015 under Harriet Harman. They still have to carry that can as well. And so my point goes back to this plan of contesting marginals. Which marginals? Because if you're contesting Labour marginals, it's a slam dunk. They're going to run you out. You don't have the groundwork. You can't fight, number one, official Labour grassroots activists. And number two, fucking momentum. They've got to fight two different grassroots activists at the same time. They're not going to be able to do it. I think they're going to find that just having a shitload of money, having a lot of influential men in suits supporting them doesn't necessarily help their ground game. But yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll be able to shell out a lot on all the fucking Cambridge Analytica stuff or whatever. The uh, St. Petersburg troll factories. <laughs> money hasn't helped the Tories win an election for about four years now. So I don't understand yeah. why they think it's going to work now. It's just, it's baseless. They have no policy. All they did all day was talk about what they don't like. They didn't talk about what they do want. And that is the exact same mistake that the Tories made in 2017. If you have an election or a campaign, your campaign can't be based on just negativity because people don't like negativity. They want the Remain campaign as well. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the same problem that the Brexit campaign had. If you are constantly focused on telling people about the bad, people become inured to that. They don't want to listen to it anymore. They don't want to hear it. They don't care. They become very blasé about it. If you go on about it enough, people just tune you out. So all of the negativity around Corbyn, around the Labour Party, Mm. has been well priced into the electorate. There is no more that can be siphoned out of the Labour Party's polling numbers in terms negativity anymore it's not moving because they're still fundamentally forgetting to understand that the brexit vote has completely fundamentally changed the way people are going to vote now it's been fascinating over the last couple of weeks observing i'd say about a year ago the centrists were doing better at digging up clips of corbyn in the past where he says a comment that can be construed badly but recently there's been some real pathetic stuff on Twitter of like centrists being like, look, here's the smoking gun. And it's just a video of Corbyn like criticising the EU in 2009 or Corbyn criticising Israeli aggression against Palestinians or American imperialism. And it's like, no, next you're going to tell me that Corbyn just generally is against most kinds of imperialism <laughs> it's all priced in like you say they've clearly got to a point where they think that this is still cutting through to the lecturer 
And it's clear they don't speak to the average person very much because if they did, they'd know that it stopped cutting through about a year and a half ago. What I thought was remarkable was seeing it reported that John Cryer, chair of the PLP and a former member of the socialist campaign group, the left grouping within the Parliamentary Labour Party, was up there at the PLP meeting today cheering on the MPs who'd left. They got a standing ovation from MPs. If I was professionally invested in my Labour Party, I'm not. I'm certainly emotionally invested. But if it was my job and seven of my colleagues had just left the party with the intention of wrecking it, to run against it in elections, I would be furious. These people instead applauded their colleagues, which is just remarkable. I, I can't get my head around it. I think it points to the fact that the Parliamentary Labour Party really do exist on a completely different plane to the rest of the party in general, and definitely to the rest of society. There were probably MPs in there clapping fellow MPs who are going to run against them in their marginal seats. I can't bring myself to get particularly worked up about it, because these are people who fundamentally don't understand what has happened in the last three years. These are people who are able to look at a shambolic day like today and find something worth clapping in all of that. There's nothing you can do with that kind of stupidity, quite frankly. And you just need to let them do what they need to do and just play it out. It's embarrassing for themselves to clap something that shambolic and see it as some kind of great success against Jeremy Corbyn. It has barely made a splash. It wasn't even top of the news at neither six o'clock or ten o'clock. And they've managed to get a racism scandal out of it as well. I mean, all in all, it was not a particularly great day one. So I'm not really sure what they had to clap about. Because by all example, everybody just thinks of it as a bit of a joke. So hurt, why then don't you show it? You say you've lost your faith, but that's not where it's at. You have no faith to lose, and you know it. Fundamentally, the issue is that a bunch of right-wingers, whether you think it's six or seven of them, have quit the Labour Party to wreck it for the name of a right-wing agenda. I think for the most part, what we've seen is MPs being portrayed as victims and ordinary people who do not have the power or the influence that MPs have monstered. And that's what we're going to see more and more of from, I think, the new centrist party. We're going to see more and more talk of how people in Labour are just so beastly. And what they're going to do is they're going to tar entire CLPs, such as Tom Watson saying that Luciana Burgess' CLP should be suspended. When Tom Watson is going on about the culture and trying to shut down, a lot of that is just bluster. This is the last stand of a dying relic within the soft left left movement within UK politics. The Overton window has fundamentally shifted. And these are people who cannot bring themselves to say that they now have more in common with the Tory party or the old Tory party or rather the Cameron Tory party than they do with the Labour Party right now, which is why they have set up a new party. It's not because they are fed up of Labour. It's because five, six years ago, they could have just crossed over to the Tories. That's probably what they would have done. But they can't anymore because the Overton window 
has shifted. If you picture the Overton window like French windows, both of the windows have opened outwards, right? They've and spent so long taking the piss out of the idea that they should yeah. fuck off and join the Tories that now they've boxed themselves into a position where they can't the... just fuck off and join the Tories. So normally the window kind of shifts, like, you know, like the bus window, it goes left to right, sideways, sideways. <laughs> yeah. These are more like patio doors that open. Both the doors have opened. One door's open on the left and one door's open on the right. So the Tory party have shifted rightward in yeah. order to cannibalise UKIP. Labour Party have shifted leftwards and that's left a whole bunch of MPs in the middle whose identity is either wedded to their party or wedded to their ideology. The ones who are wedded to ideology don't know where to call home and the ones who are wedded to party want desperately not to have to call it home anymore but can't. We don't need to focus on what they're doing. We just need to keep doing what we're doing. Let them cheer. They look stupid. They might not know they look stupid. They might not think they look stupid, but we know that they look stupid. And that's enough. That should be enough because we know that we have the policies. We know that we've got the grassroots behind us. We have managed to swell this party to over 500,000 people in three years. That is numbers that they could only dream of doing in 30 years, let alone three. And I just think continuing to give them the reactions that they're desperate they are goading us at every turn and every time we respond we are giving them what they want they are looking for reactions and the easiest way to deal with attention seekers which is fundamentally what they are is to not give them reactions do you reckon the ones who are remaining are all sort of weighing up a cost-benefit analysis of whether they should leave or not. Quite literally a cost-benefit analysis in the case of those with a sizable Register of Members' interest page. <coughs> Jess Phillips just wondering, can I make more money sat on the Labour benches or as an independent MP? Because I... another point I've seen made is that the BBC are just going to be booking an independent group person on a revolving door basis to go opposite every Labour panellist they have on. That's to be expected, but the problem is that they're not an official party, so they will probably end up taking the spot of, you know, on Question Time, they always have that one non-party affiliated person. I mean, quite often on Question Time now, they have a pro-Corbyn Labour person and an anti-Corbyn Labour person. And it's like, well, the Labour right aren't an official party either, but they've certainly been represented as one in the last few years. My point is that they won't be able to come on question time in place of a Labour MP so they will always be faced with a Labour MP who will stay sometimes it will mean there will be somebody from the Labour right sometimes it will be somebody from the soft left sometimes it will be somebody from the left but I can foresee them getting as much airtime as Nigel Farage did because they're they're going to be everywhere because the media are feeding this and this is what I keep back to there's no uh, point fucking everywhere anyway aren't they <laughs> we're already it's everywhere getting frustrated about it because the media <laughs> the media are there to further this narrative as much as they possibly can so all we can do is just ignore it and really just focus on getting our own house in order i think we've become complacent at times within the general movement within yeah. momentum within the party and we've become sloppy and and i think we need to tighten and become a lot sharper on message on dealing with issues within the party and i think when we do that and we focus on getting our own shit together rather than reacting to these records then these records are going to find less and less to go bleating to whoever it is at the daily mail or the new statesman or the fucking buzzfeed or wherever it is that they all talk to every single day I've always said you can't win a propaganda offensive by fighting fire with fire. You have to think two steps ahead. You have to play it like a chess game. You know that there's no chess. If you know that their angle is a bullying culture, then you've got to make sure that anybody who is the source of their complaints is handled with. Shut it down as soon as humanly possible. Because then you look strong and then they have to find something new to complain about. And whilst they'll always find something new to complain about, the more you complain, the less people are willing to believe you and the more tired people are of hearing from you. It's great to have the grown-ups back, in, not in charge of the Labour Party or of politics in general, but in charge of something other than the Tony Blair Institute and most media outlets. They're currently making very sensible decisions discussing the key issues like should they admit sex predators John Woodcock and Ivan Lewis to their ranks? 
Brooks. But my hope is that, as you say, the Corbyn movement, it has thrived on adversity in times, but stalled as a consequence of complacency. So what I'm hoping is that this can be a bit of a shot in the arm for people. Tom Gann tweeted something, I think, which was pretty much the rub, as I said in my quote tweet of it. Tom said, it strikes me that a Labour split slightly decreases the chances of winning the next election. I think that's fair because there will be more firepower Mm. against Labour. There'll still be a sizable amount of internal dissidents, but also these people will get to say, we're a different thing to the Labour right, so you should invite us on your TV show as well. Tom continues, whilst it slightly decreases the chance of winning the next election, it massively increases the chance of, should we win, being able to implement any sort of programme. And I think he's absolutely right there, because there's just no way that Labour could be in government with Mike Gapes and Chris Leslie, you know. I think what we need to look at now is that they've gone, some more may follow, and it's a wonderful opportunity for us to really focus on the selection process for yeah. Labour candidates. We haven't that... even mentioned uh, some of our opponents uh, in this, this new grouping, like Anne Coffey. Who the fuck is Anne Coffey? I, mean, I, I know I know who she is, to be fair. She's the one in the... She was wearing some, like, insane suit. Like, it was so brightly coloured at the launch. Red full bodysuit. Maybe she's saying, you guys don't get to claim red. You may fly the red flag, but I wear the red clothes. But no, she and Margaret Hodge tabled the motion of no confidence in Corbyn in 2016. So yes, I have heard of Anne Coffey before and also there's Gavin Shooker the uh guy who sues you if you call him a homophobe so the guy who some people allege is a homophobe disappointed but we're not surprised and it's apt that Gavin is one of these seven dwarfs who've resigned today because he's a political minnow we look forward to him calling a by-election where he will be annihilated by the official Labour Party candidate and consigned to the dustbin of history where he belongs this new party already has its own Tim Farron they have formed a party that has somehow managed to bring Tim Farron and Mike Gapes together. <laughs> Just the milkiest party in the world. Like, I like them sitting around <laughs> hammering out policies. I'm now like, wondering well... whether the reason that their background is white is because it's like milk. <laughs> I think also, you know, it's going to be a pretty white party. I well, mean, you got a chucker, but most of the people, the FBP crew. It's like, yeah. that's quite... A poor chucker and is just destined to be a token his entire political career. But, you know, this is not a serious party. These are not big thinkers. And I think if we improve our game, if we become less sloppy, if we become more sharp, the reason they are doing all of this is because they're terrified of the prospect and they know that there's a very real prospect. And we just need to fine-tune and we really need to get a grip on the anti-Semitism thing. But I think... There is nothing that we heard today because they literally did not give a single policy. They have no policies and they have nothing ideologically (laughs) to frighten us. And so I think we can be very relaxed, really. (laughs) I thought that was a bit overly optimistic of Tom Cabassi from the IPPR when he said that, no, this new party will have a raft of policies. I mean, I like like Tom and everything. I think he's a very smart guy. But in this case, I think he overestimated the Chris Leslie set. (laughs) I don't think Chris Leslie knows what policy looks like. I mean, well, this... it, it, his, his fucking pamphlet is just like ban Twitter or whatever. It's just, just complete bollocks with the obligatory references to the hard left. I really judge the fact that he was ever shadow fucking chancellor. Yeah, crazy. Just like this guy, he's, he's a non entity. Who appointed him? What, Harriet Harman, yeah, yeah, exactly. He was, I think, chief secretary to the treasury under Ed Miliband. And yeah. So it was just the kind of, he, he went, went up the greasy pole. Ed Falls. Yeah. Well, it's not a glowing CV, is it? No. These are people who were just there or thereabouts in shadow cabinets for the last couple of years, or were in cabinets in junior positions under the last vestiges of new Labour. And I think what really actually illuminates just how out of touch these people are is that if you're looking to keep a majority of the membership, and if you genuinely believe that Corbyn is the problem in the party, then the easiest time to go back to would be an Ed Miliband Labour Party, which still retains enough of that soft left left-wing policy with all of the quote-unquote sharpness of the Blairite era, right? So you go back to the Miliband years and you fine-tune those years. If you believe that it was a question of we needed a more statesman-like leader, blah, 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 you shift back policy-wise just to Ed Miliband and then you implement your stately leader, etc., etc. They didn't do that. 
They have completely gone past Miliband. They've gone past Brown and gone back to like 2003 Labour. Yeah, I mean, these guys are dead enders. That's what they've always been. That's the reason why people keep making these steroids. Because these aren't soft left people. These are people who are ideologically wedded to what Tony Blair did to the party. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the centrists have that but Iraq meme. They get so arsy whenever anyone mentions Iraq. But it's like, well, it's not completely irrelevant because Mike Gapes and, and the lads all still defend the Iraq war. Yeah, and it's a question of like, I think nothing think shows the absolute dearth of original ideas and creativity that this centrist group is going to have then the fact that you know despite the fact that some of these people weren't voted into the party necessarily more than five years ago was it four years ago in 2015 now and the large majority of them either came in after 2010 or whatever. But of the ones that didn't, these are just died in the wall, disciples of Tony Blair. And then it's people who have grown up admiring Tony Blair and Tony Blair being their access point to the Labour Party convening together and it does really show the lack of growth from the center left or the center of the labor party that even now in 2019 they're still clinging to tony blair who has not been labor leader for some coming up 12 years now yeah it's really sad they're looking back to a time to a leader who left before the crash before the wall street crash it is it's really embarrassing if you look at everything that's happened to the world how do you set your political watch to a time that's before the arab spring before the wall street crash before austerity before everything and hope for a world that's living in 2019 to take you seriously nobody will yeah i saw some boring fucker tweeting earlier like people keep going on about tony blair you might as well be talking about stafford cripps it's like man i wish marxist chancellor stafford cripps had as much influence on the current parliamentary labor party as tony blair does but alas it's not the case like <laughs> the man tony blair is not really relevant anymore but the ideas of tony blair for the Blairite project will never die exactly it lives on in the hearts of losers like gapes <laughs> but um yeah i mean personally i'm hoping that the next person to defect from the party is that guy uh what's his name uh ian jones is it ian alan, alan smith what is it something 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 uh very boring man very bo- uh bitter he's got a large penis uh what's his name uh frothy coffee uh let's just call him frothy coffee mp but (laughs) he can sling his hook as well mr i would do a deal with isis who can (laughs) who can forget (laughs) he's gonna leave the party and just defect to isis straightforwardly cut out the middle man (laughs) i still cannot believe he said that on national tv before 11 a.m it's It's so good it was on the Victoria Derbyshire show, and it's just like, yeah. did you really say? <laughs> at like 10 o'clock in the morning, I would do a deal with ISIS. It's like, all right, okay. It's great stuff. Well, it's like while Corbyn was caught unawares by the Ant and Deck question. Meanwhile, yeah. Owen Smith was just like, uh, he fucking sailed through the Ant and Deck question one right into fucking Racker. Astounding. I was watching the launch today, and it just reminded me of the absolute omni shambles of Angela Eagles' is launch. Yeah. I've had strong memories of that and then her and Owen Smith on the couches on the shows like I'm a normal man in embarrassment at just how bad it was and it's just (laughs) I'm looking forward to the next round because I don't see how they can top this yeah it's not the banter we need it's the banter we deserve reality is that 10% of the Parliamentary Labour Party left the party and then tried to destroy it and had full media support. They provided a focus of former Labour cabinet ministers who could be used to destroy the Labour Party. That's what what they did. That was their only function. They never had the slightest prospect of winning electoral victory at all, uh, but their function was to destroy the Labour Party. And everyone who leaves the Labour Party always gets their moment in the sun. I feel very strongly about people whose entire life depends on the working class vote. 
Your father was a miner. He was in jail in the general strike. You got into Parliament as a Labour member. Every office you held was because of the Labour Party. Cabinet minister appointed by a Labour Prime Minister, and then you left the party. Now that's a cancerous growth, not personally, but I think people who betray those who gave them power are the real threat. And I must say that bluntly. It's tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.